You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 319 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a wonderful conversation with our resident philosopher, winemaker and farmer out of Stockbridge, Vermont, Almighty Todd. The Almighty and I discuss mudslides, roadside litter, rivers polluted into the ocean, how Vermont life is different. We talk about his uh, dog, Winterberry, and Lexi, out of sight and out of mind, Cherry Blossoms, and Wu Wei, among other things. It's really a wonderful conversation between two brothers on today's program with Almighty Todd. We also have an EWSA titled Young, and a piece by Roald Dahl titled Television, read by our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis and a poem called Victim. And of course, as is always the case, all of this will be infused, imbued, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. So nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 319 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours. Does winter follow spring? 
like night follows day Must a question have an answer Young, the days of walking into the woods to explore and find a small stream that magically mystifies your soul as it winds seem like a way of existence found mostly in old-fashioned novels telling tales of our ancestors working to find their way to where we are today. So much more intelligent, evolved, and connected Does that notion seem as troubling to you as it does to me? Lost is what I fear we are. In the grandiosity of our narrow philosophy and sense of human history, that all so often informs our understanding of reality. I am flustered and flabbergasted and yet benign still, as far as my existence makes a difference, as a consciousness carousing this human landscape at present. My words and thoughts as fleeting in the grand scheme as are the white and pink blossoms in the chilly springtime breeze I witness through my window this mid-May morning. How do I go from here, my dear? I hope you hear me, and I am making some sense. The traffic is picking up as the day spins a bit older on its axis around the sun. I am solely a lonely urchin of hope and discontent, trying to find the sweet spirit I knew when I was 
Young. Almighty Todd. Is that you? 
This is me, E.W. Conundrum from Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Good to have you on the show again. It's good to hear from you. I hear the I hear the dog in the background. Which dog is that? Oh well, that's that's Lexi. That's the that's the senior dog. We've we've uh, just recently adopted a junior dog. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that on social media. It's a big sensation. It's all over. It's all the news over. is spreading. I don't think we're I don't think we're going to go viral. Though. No, maybe not. Maybe not. But uh, nonetheless, it's good to have you. And uh, I want to let people know who you are in case you you haven't uh, heard before. This is Almighty Todd. He is our resident philosopher. He's a winemaker, a farmer, and uh, oh, a few other things that I think you'll come to realize as as uh, you hear us discuss various topics. I know you've definitely out- been called some other things. Yeah, I was just calling you a couple of things earlier. You didn't. You didn't hear. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the backstory we're not going to share with the listeners. Um, yeah, he's up in Stockbridge, Vermont, and uh, they still use tubes in their laptops. Wolf wood fire, actually. Yeah, yeah. We said we moved over to wood fire just uh, just this year yeah. to try and uh, lower our our footprint. <laughs> I'm not sure it's working. <laughs> Obviously, there are issues. <laughs> There's some issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, for uptight, you know, East Coast guys who are close to New York City, and I guess that energy there radiates into my culture. I, you know, the Vermont, the Vermont way of life is just, you know, it's different. Oh well, it's it's it is in some ways, and then, but at the same time, for a lot of us, we kind of have to live on this this dual reality, where you, uh, you know, you you're working in the 21st century. For a bunch of hours a day, and then you take a left turn, and all of a sudden you're, you know, the power goes out, and you're back in the 18th century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you have mudslides going on, right? And and yet, you know, and you have to get together with your neighbors to deal with that stuff because it's you know the natural environment is is pretty pristine in most of Vermont. Uh, and yet, you have people tossing garbage all over. I know that's one of the things you want to talk about. You know, even though the mindset up there is is you know one that does respect uh the natural environment does have a more so than most states if not all states in the union uh a, a sensibility about uh you know man human's footprint as you mentioned before but still you have garbage to pick up weren't you just outside dealing with that roadside garbage well yeah it was actually probably started the roadside and then it made its way down the stream bed i was, I was checking out that uh, landslide i was telling you about and uh, that's when I got carried away and realized I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to be talking to a conundrum. But uh, I was walking through there and I noticed that there was a, a what looked like a plastic bag. It turned out to be a pile of plastic bags balled up together, stuck in the stream. And uh, it was while I was picking them out that I remembered we were going to talk about that. And I was like, oh, my goodness, got to go. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that you know, it seems like a little thing, but you know, those plastic bags, the next big rain – we're probably going to wash down into the river, down the White, into the Connecticut, down to the Long Island Sound, and then they're in the ocean, just like a lot of the other crap that is winding up in the ocean. That you know, it's human refuse from all points around the world, it seems, and uh, they just become part of the, the stream. And it's not just the big pieces of plastic; they break down into little tiny pieces of plastic that are winding up everywhere. 
Well, yeah. you know, you have a lot of folks will be like, okay, plastic in the river, into the ocean, boring, who cares? Why is that such a big deal? Why is that so important? Well, that's why plastic. when you go to your favorite beach and there's a you know a, a large dead large marine mammal on the beach smelling like it's you know like uh, Hades itself because it's got a gut full of plastic bags that it ate because it, it you know couldn't tell the difference oh stupid animal right no stupid you know stupid people personally is, is my thing I do get upset about it I mean I understand that from what I gather a lot of the the roadside litter in the United States is stuff that blows out of the back of pickup trucks. It's not necessarily stuff that people throw willingly out the window, although that certainly happens. You know, like I, there's a, I, I infrequently, but once in a while see McDonald's on the side of the road here uh, on the way into town or back. And I know that that McDonald's came from, you know, either 12 miles up in Randolph or 30 miles over in Rutland or the same 30 miles down in West Lebanon, New Hampshire. And that somebody, you know, consciously took it from someplace else, brought it there, and decided to leave the wrappings on the side of our road. Yeah. And and I just, I don't get what the motivation is for that. No. I mean, do they think it's biodegradable? Do they think at all about it? Is it just out of sight, out of mind, you know? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that it's it's, it's not their problem. You know, there, there is no there is no immediate negative consequence for doing that, even though there are littering laws in Vermont. But I mean, unless you do it in front of the the state troopers or the sheriff, there's not going to be any, uh, you know, there's no consequence. You know, see, Lexi sounds young. I know she does sound young, but she's well, she's playing. It's because the, the new dog is young. The new dog's about wintry is about uh, seven months old. Wind tree or wintry? Well, she came with winter, but we, we that kind of finishes on a down note, and dogs tend to do better with an up note. So we've been working on wintry, or winter bee, winter berry. I don't know. We're, we're, it's, she seems to to with that up note, she seems to respond. But I don't know what's going on down there. What's going on down there? <laughs> <laughs> They're having a party. It's nice to have them on the program, you know. It really is. There's some some uh, gentleman, some gentlewoman driving her pickup truck in in the Ozarks with their dog on the uh, on the front seat next to them and responding to your right, dog's dog barking. Yeah, the dog's going nuts in the, in the seat. Yeah, sorry about that, <laughs> Eloise. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Uh, you were saying, so, uh, the, so we were talking about plastic, we were talking about garbage out of the back of pickup trucks, out of sight, I mean, out of mind. And I will say this, I just went down, uh, I was down in D.C. Uh, around Cherry Blossom time. Oh, it I must drove have been down. beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it was actually, it was great, because it was the first time I went down for this Cherry Blossom festival that in a few years, that it was actually Cherry Blossom time. So um, I, that was quite enjoyable. But on the way down, because it's that time in spring where the snow is pulled back and the roadsides are opening up, there was, you know, trash like the entire way. And uh, the, the time I spent driving through Pennsylvania, I have to say, was not, uh, was not any better than other places. The shame. The shame of it. So I will you can take that as you will. But uh, I, I don't know if other states do stuff like Green Up Day like we do here in Vermont where, you know, people get together on the first weekend of may and clean up the roads and 
try to make everything look better. Green up um, there. I like it. I like it. I, I know in, in uh, Pennsylvania they have uh, adapt a highway, you know, and you can go out and part of a highway and you go out and you, you know, it's kind of your piece uh, of of the highway that you want to keep clean and you regularly the folks go out oh, and right, clean up. Oh, yeah. right, right. I don't know if that that's similar, I suppose. But, you know, it's not just aesthetic. as you're. I mean, it is aesthetic and that's important, but it's also how it eventually does get into... Um, different ecosystems, whether it be through via waterways or uh, maybe blown by wind, blown or... by yeah, into a forest, and it 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 could negatively affect other animals. Yeah, well, it's just it's it's stuff that doesn't belong in the ecosystem. I mean, that's the thing about it's one thing for us to be pulling oil out of the ground and burning it and putting its carbon up into the atmosphere, but especially in the case of plastics, you know, which are an oil, uh, you know, petroleum based byproduct yeah. that they, they wind up, you know, all over the place. Now we, we were going to delve into Wu Wei, you know, uh, I asked if we, if, if we could do that. Cause I know you yeah. are interested in a Chinese philosophy. Um, uh, studied that in, in undergraduate school and you practice that, uh, in your day to day through Aikido, and yeah, and actually, it's funny you brought that up because Wu Wei was the the first thing I did a paper on. Wow. in college, I did not um, know that. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought about trying to do some some do something crafty with it because um, Wu Wei is um, a concept that's like uh, action without action, or uh, action without effort. It's uh, a way of being that does not impose struggle or uh, conflict purposely. It, it doesn't. It, it's a, a way of approaching things in a way that is not strained or overexerted. And uh, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting concept. I mean, I, I understand it on a physical level to a certain extent, and how we practice the, the martial art that we do. Um, but uh, people also do uh, approach it, with it from a meditative perspective. The idea of finding a, a, a breath in and out, in, you know, inhalation, exhalation cycle that is, uh, by, with good posture, is, is a natural flow. Because uh, an irregular or unnatural flow, like people get tense and they they don't realize that they're breathing in the just in the upper quarter of their lungs, and they aren't actually taking full breaths. And that actually has you know actual physiological effects on the body when we aren't breathing in a in a balanced manner. And in the Western world, there are a lot of stressors and distractions that kind of put us in places where we have a hard time being in a natural state. And in uh, some cases, this uh, this concept of Wu Wei was to basically not have n- have no cares about human affairs, and to only move in the most natural way possible. Um, I don't know if it's an, a truly achievable thing, but it's an interesting concept, and huh. it's something that was that was applied uh, in, in governance. Confucius um, was into it, right? 
Yeah, it's well. Supposedly, it came out of this the spring and autumn period, like if, you know, somewhere around 500, 600 uh, BC. But it was also taken up by the Taoists, and in, in leadership roles, it was the idea was that the leader wouldn't try to micromanage things, but would only it would step back and make sure that the right people were in positions to do the right things, and would not overexert themselves or their influence on the process. I know that's an extremely, extremely foreign concept for uh, in this day and age. Yeah, unfortunately. It, you know, uh, you remember when uh, President Obama was in office, he was often criticized by some and by others. He was championed for uh, leading from behind in a way. And I guess that's kind of Wu Wei-ish, right? Uh, in the way you just yes, described I, it. I would say so. Uh, yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, it's we're, not the we're norm. in a different place right now. Yeah, oh, God. Well, well, there's, we're, well, let's not even go there. 45 doesn't even lead. You know, he just sets bad examples. Um, right. Uh, so, yeah, let's not talk about that. Let's, yeah, we'll save that for another monstrosity. Not, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, God. <laughs> but, but, See, it's so hard. I, you it know, is, I, it's hard not to get, you know, to get to start exerting. <laughs> it really, for me, it is. I try all of the time. I really and truly do. And it's ironic. It's almost, it's absurd, really, because I find myself alone doing breathing exercises and, and some meditative things and stretching and all of that. A lot of stuff you've taught me when we were younger, and I've read a lot of things uh, since then and, and what have you. Uh, but then I get out of my, my, my little solace, my, my quiet space, and I get into the real world, and I'm even more sensitive, it seems, to irritation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, less patient than I might have been if I didn't meditate. It's bizarre. I, I feel yeah, like a total well, nincompoop, really. Well, that's that's the quandary, and I mean that's the whole thing. Is like if you're trying to figure out how to achieve this state of, you know, effortlessness, it actually takes effort to to do that. Yeah, yeah, Wu Wei, mofo. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> to Almighty Todd here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, and uh, he's uh, an old friend of mine, and he has been on the program for a long time too. One of the first uh, contributors. Uh, our resident philosopher out of Stockbridge, Vermont. And, uh, you know, we'll weigh into another thing you wanted to discuss. And I like the phraseology you used, visiting little streams in the woods. What, what well, that kind of fits in with the, the way we've talked about uh, the, the concept of forest bathing before, I we think, have. In, uh, in Japan. But I, it's one of those... Uh, those aspects of uh, finding a place where, you know, you can put your phone away or not even take the phone and sit next to a small brook, like especially in the spring when they're, uh, they're lively and the drainage, drainage is coming out. If you're in a, you live in a place that you're fortunate enough to have fresh water coming out of the ground <laughs> in places that you can witness. Um, but there is a, uh, uh, how can I say a certain beauty in taking the the frame of mind that we usually lock into uh, the Avengers End Game or uh, Sudoku's or uh, Game of Thrones or you know whatever podcasts like this one that you like to listen to and turn that that awesome frame of attention onto something 
that is um, completely outside ourselves, but also exactly where we've come from. There's a, a, a place, even if it's just for five minutes, that you can sit next to a piece of running water and let thoughts go by. You can let the breath become free. You can take notice of very small pieces of uh, fungi and lichen growing on rocks or mosses or way uh, a little eddy in the stream appears and disappears and then reappears again and what makes that happen. Um, it's a bit of a bath or a cleansing, I think, for that screen that we look through that kind of uh, with old time, older lenses, images, if you took a you know, you had to have screensavers in the old days. Remember that? Because mm, yes. if you left the image on too long, it would burn an image into the le- into the screen. Yeah. Just like uh, bright lights can burn an image on a lens. Well, I think our, our mental screen, our mental lens can get kind of polluted by all the stuff that we do. And I think that uh, cleaning it for a few moments with... Uh, a little bit of fresh water is actually a pretty useful pursuit. I can't tell you what exactly it's doing for you. I can pretty pretty sure it's not doing anything bad for you. Um, it's just something I would suggest as a uh, as an exercise that is worth trying. And it doesn't even have to be a little stream in the woods. Even just a you know even a river going past your your place. I mean, you you guys live on the mighty Susquehanna. Just about, and that's you know, or near near to it, and that there's uh, some beautiful spots along that place to just watch, um, watch time and the earth move past, yeah. and yeah. it can be really exhilarating without being, uh, you know, how can I say? Sometimes when you you put yourself in a place like that, you can feel really like looking at the stars. You can be like, wow, I'm really nothing in the scope of all this, but it's actually we're made of all the same stuff. We are it. So it's, it's, it's an opportunity. It's just an opportunity to experience life for a few minutes in a different way. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Beautifully said, Almighty Todd, yeah. And I, we also are pretty close to the Delaware River, too. The Delaware Water Gap is not far from uh, my studio. Uh, the Susquehanna, as you mentioned. Uh, it, it is always amazing to me when i do actually go into the woods go and i love the sound of running water it's it's a wonderful thing and and then to look at the stars on top of that if you have all that and a nice fire going um what a what an experience what how centered you you you, i tend to feel at least uh you get you don't have to speak even you know you listen to the crackling of the wood uh, you listen to the water flowing by. You had that beautiful A-frame we used to hang out in uh, back when we were yes. in uh, law school together. And uh, I remember, I mean, that was right on a brook. It got washed away, I remember you telling me. Yeah, 2007 took that thing out. Yeah, but that was a yep. beautiful place to hang out. and just A lot of times we'd sit there and we wouldn't even talk. No, it was, just, it was magical. It really yeah. was. Yeah. There might have been some... Music playing in the background. That's so, possible. Sometimes there was music. Sometimes there was music. Sometimes there was herb. Sometimes there was wine. Wine or, yeah. or whiskey. 
or whiskey. Yeah, that's Depend, true. Depends on who came over. <laughs> yeah, it was all the trans, the transcendental elements. Yeah, but nature was the key component. Yeah, by yeah, by far it was the it was the the cloak around the night, for and sure. We, it really, yeah, yeah. And you know, we we were young and we we were without too many responsibilities outside of ourselves. And and it was nice to have the opportunity to live like that. But sometimes I think as we get older and we have more responsibilities or we start thinking about what we should be and, and you know, measuring ourselves against our peers in the same age bracket, what have you, we, we, we tend to lose uh, this, the, the sense that we need that time, type of time spent in yeah, that type of, or, you know, content. Well, that's it. It's time spent. There was... Uh, there's it's an interesting linguistical frame, and framing is some linguistical framing is something I've been really interested in for the last couple of years ever since the election. Um, but it wasn't until the industrial revolution that people talked about their time being spent or wasted. Before that, you passed time in some way or another. But once your time became commoditized, if you weren't using it in an efficient way you were you were possibly wasting it or you were spending it on something else but it it became a your time time became a, a personal currency that it wasn't always and I, i'm I, i'm gathering you're saying that's not a good development well, i don't know if it is i mean it's just it certainly limits the way that we think about our time yeah. If automatically, if I'm, you know, if I'm not getting that thing, you know, if I'm, if I'm just sitting here catching myself looking at the stream for a few minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should be, at, I should be doing something more important than this. I should talk to Conundrum, that son of a, and he's gonna be mad because I didn't, I'm not ready. Right. Yeah. And well, you know, yeah. So I, I, yeah, that's terrible. I feel bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Taking you away from that, you know. Uh, I mean, yeah. But it, this goes back to Wu Wei. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the to try to move effortlessly through the world. I mean, it's not that effort is a bad thing. It's just that there are times when we when we get in the habit of putting in extra effort or overexerting, that becomes the norm. And just you know, if, if think about it in environmental terms, if you're ever spending more energy than you need to, like if you only need a hundred watts to light the room, why would you have five hundred watts on? But, you know, you go by, you know, probably my house sometimes when I'm not paying attention. And it's like we're only in one corner of the house and all the rest of the stuff is on. There's exertion happening there that probably doesn't need to be. And we're not just talking about the carbon footprint now. We're I mean, I, I guess partly you are. But uh, what, yeah. what's wrong? with Is that the problem with that sort of exertion that doesn't need to, to be? Well, why? I mean, why why spend the extra money on light that's not being used? Why shining the light out into the uh, the wildlife habitat around me when they, they probably don't need that in the middle of the night? Don't like Either. it, probably. No, no. I mean, there's there's truth to the 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 situation that uh, the way that we light cities and the way that we don't we send so much light up into the air, it's actually affecting migratory patterns of birds. Um, it's uh, there are so many impacts we have that we don't think about, you know, and then there are so many that we do know about that we either deny or don't deal with. 
you know, this is one of you know one of our big problems. We we have all this extra exertion. We're exerting constantly on the world around us, and we're wasting a lot in doing it. I think in a lot of ways we've we've efficiency means a much different thing to most people than um, what it might have in previous you know many previous generations before us. Well, I think now efficiency is always tied to money. Yeah, right? you know. Yeah. And back then, maybe not as much. I don't know what it, what I mean. Was it more of a philosophical view of efficiency? You're just better if you're more efficient. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's something I, I certainly probably look into if I'm thinking about it this much. Efficacy. Yeah. Um, yeah, Almighty Todd, up there in Stockbridge, Vermont. Uh, you know, the backstory I alluded to earlier is I, I couldn't contact him. And I was getting mad because it was time wasted. And uh, I want to get this show together so I can get it to the stations that uh, want to air it. And, um, you know, I, I guess it's important to, to have it all done and, and to, to be uh, true to the timelines that, that we're all committed to. But at the same time, 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 I'm talking... Uh, you you can't lose your your mind and your soul in the process. Well, or exactly, it's it's a healthy it's connection with people in the process. No, it's 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 how we choose to respond and interact with our situations. And uh, you know, I certainly there are times when I make it worse for myself <laughs> when I don't know when to shut up. But uh, you know, I, I try to get a little bit better, take an extra breath before uh, I make a decision. Or say something, especially if I'm, you know, a little wound up. But I, I maybe get it right, you know, forty percent of the time. Forty. But that's better. Yeah, but maybe that's maybe that's better than none, or or five percent of the time, and it's getting better. So, uh, on average, well, it's it's you know it, it's a constant it's a constant process. You know, if you're into it, if you're into like. Uh, looking into yourself and, and working your own behavior modification consciously rather than having it modified by systems around us and not even know that it's happening. Yeah, that's even worse, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's worse. Yeah. Do you do you still love me? Oh yes, forever. Oh man. I'll go I'll go carve it on a tree. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. Why he, pro he professed his love for me. We professed our love for each other on the show. Isn't that awesome? And, and you know, it, it's brotherly love for years we've, we've uh, been connected. Good man, almighty Todd here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. I'm E.W. Conundrum. And uh, we have a few more moments only. It goes by quickly talking with you, my friend. Any, any uh, insights you'd like to go out on before uh, we sign off until next time? I'm never ready for this part. You always ask me this, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. Jeez, I don't know. Um, well, I, I will tell you that uh, next week I am going to go pick up my Chilean grapes, and uh, we're going to do our destemming on Friday probably. And uh, I think afterwards I'm going to have a little bonfire with whoever shows up and maybe some other neighbors and some food and do exactly what we were talking about earlier. And uh, I, I think that with the barbecue season coming on, everybody kind of does this in a ritualistic way when they get around the barbecue. But uh, maybe it's uh, you know a chance to think about it a little bit differently, and uh, you know be thankful of being able to gather people around a space like that and 
maybe turn the lights off you know on the back porch and turn the radio off for a little while and just listen to the night and like you and I used to do uh take a few minutes just to be quiet and uh be with one another in a in a primal and grounded place because there's nothing wrong with doing it wonderful that's a nice place to leave it until next time almighty Todd I, I wish you and yours the best uh tell Andrea and Lexi and uh wintery we're, we're thinking of them here in uh, the send Northeast. my best to your clan yeah I will I will hopefully we see each other this summer yes we gotta make it happen let's make it happen and uh uh I'll let you go back to the river Yep, it's. I still got some light. I'm gonna go do do one more thing outside before we pack it in. All right, brother, you take care, and I'll talk to you again. Ciao. Ciao.
Television, a poem by Raoul Dahl. The most important thing we've learned, so far as children are concerned, is never, never, never let them near your television set. Or better still, just don't install the idiotic thing at all. In almost every house we've been, we've watched them gaping at the screen. They loll and slop and lounge about, and stare until their eyes pop out. Last week in someone's place we saw a dozen eyeballs on the floor. They sit and stare and stare and sit, until they're hypnotized by it, until they're absolutely drunk with all that shocking, ghastly junk. Oh yes, we know it keeps them still. They don't climb out the window sill. They never fight or kick or punch. They leave you free to cook the lunch and wash the dishes in the sink. But did you ever stop to think, to wonder just exactly what this does to your beloved tot? It rots the sense in the head. It kills imagination dead. It clogs and clutters up the mind. It makes a children so dull and blind he can no longer understand a fantasy, a fairyland. His brain becomes as soft as cheese. His powers of thinking rust and freeze. He cannot think. He only sees. All right, you'll cry. All right, you'll say. But if we take the set away, what shall we do to entertain our darling children? Please explain. We'll answer this by asking you what use the darlings ones to do, how use they keep themselves contented before this monster was invented. Have you forgotten? Don't you know? We'll say it very loud and slow. They used to read. They'd read and read and read and read and then proceed to read some more. Great Scott, gadzooks! One half their lives was reading books. The nursery shelves held books galore. Books cluttered up the nursery floor. And in the bedroom, by the bed, more books were waiting to be read. Such wondrous, fine, fantastic tales of dragons, gypsies, queens, and whales, and treasure isles, and distant shores where smugglers rowed with muffled oars, and pirates wearing purple pants, and sailing ships, and elephants, and cannibals crouching round the pot, stirring away at something hot. It smells so good. What can it be? Good gracious, it's Penelope. The younger ones had Beatrix Potter with Mr. Todd, the dirty rotter, and Squirrel Nutkin, Pigling Bland, and Mrs. Tiggly Winkle, and just how the camel got his hump, and how the monkey lost his rump. And Mr. Toad, and bless my soul, there's Mr. Rat and Mr. Mole. Oh, books, what books they used to know, those children living long ago. So please, oh please, we beg, we pray, go throw your TV set away. And in its place you can install a lovely bookshelf on the wall. Then fill the shelves with lots of books, ignoring all the dirty looks, the screams and yells, the bites and kicks, and children hitting you with sticks. Fear not, because we promise you that 
in about a week or two of having nothing else to do, they'll now begin to feel the need of having something to read. And once they start, oh boy, oh boy, you watch the slowly growing joy that fills their hearts. They'll grow so keen, they'll wonder what they'd ever seen in that ridiculous machine, that nauseating, foul, unclean, repulsive television screen. And later, each and every kid will love you more for what you did.
victim. Crazy bald heads rip it up and I eat it up so weak each week into months and years governed too much by my worries and fears losing sight so contrite just another hapless victim of task and circumstance. Episode 319 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend 
and resident philosopher, Almighty Todd. I also would like to thank writer Raul Dahl and our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, David Byrne, The Suffers, Leo Kotke, David Bowie, Bob Marley and the Wailers, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And of course, all of you for listening. It means a lot to us. Until next week, why don't we go ahead and give it a go? Let's try to enjoy this one. Woo-way, why don't you? Take care.